Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of an Amber Day, the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Fisher, and I believe this is episode 38. Don't quote me on it. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Um, and today we are going to be talking about, we're going to be continuing the series that I've started on PCOS. So uh, today we're talking about the four different types of PCOS and um, kind of some of the indicators of these different types. So stay tuned if you want to hear different, um, you know, symptoms and see which, which types kind of sounds more like you. Um, you know, I, I always have to give the disclaimer that um, this is not, you know, medical advice. This is for educational purposes only. And obviously, you should always consult your doctor, your nutritionist, and uh, the people that are helping you for individualized advice. Okay. But I do feel um, and have always felt like I really struggled when I was first diagnosed with PCOS to find information and to find it in a way that was like laid out to where I could understand it. Because um, oftentimes, you know, you're not born knowing about PCOS, so you don't learn anything about it until you're diagnosed with it. Uh, and then, you know, you start this frantic process of like trying to gather information, right? And um, and it's hard to put all that together. Uh, and so, you know, those of you who, who have been listening to me for a while or those of you who are, um, picking up listening to me here, um, my style is to treat women like they're smart, like they're adults, because I believe that, um, you know, women are intelligent and can understand these scientific concepts, um, and are interested in knowing the deeper things going on inside of themselves. And so I'm speaking from that, that place, um, but trying to do it in a way, to where we build on the information and, um, you know, you learn a lot through the process. So hopefully I'm accomplishing that. Um, if you have, uh, never listened to a podcast with me before, you might want to go back to last week when I started this series, uh, talking about when you're first diagnosed with PCOS and, you know, some stuff about that. Um, but today is a really informative podcast because we're going to talk about the different types. Uh, so if you're here for that, um, and you don't care about me <laughs> as a person, you might want to skip ahead about five, 10 minutes, um, because I always start off the podcast by, um, updating my, uh, fans and friends on how I'm doing and what's going on with me. So let's do that, shall we? Okay. Um, so. What's going on right now with me, besides just the normal stuff, is um, I'm really excited because next week I am starting, or actually at the time that this podcast comes out, it will already have happened, um, but I am starting my first conference for my IFMCP certification. So what is IFMCP? I mentioned this before in a previous podcast, but the um, Institute for Functional Medicine has a certification program that... Uh, Doctors, nutritionists, um, naturopaths, uh, acupuncturists, different 
health professionals can go through to become certified in uh, functional medicine. And um, the Institute for Functional Medicine is sort of the like overseeing body for the majority of the functional medicine work that happens um, worldwide. Uh, you know, there there's no like one specific agency that can say like we are the only ones who do functional medicine. Um, so, you know, there's that. But the IFM is like kind of a big deal. Like they're recognized as being, you know, a big, important organization. And um, there are some practitioners in San Antonio who are IFM um, certified. And I have always wanted to do this, always, since even since when I uh, started the process of becoming a nutritionist, it was always in my mind that one day I wanted to be an Institute for Functional Medicine Certified Practitioner. So I'm excited because um, I didn't know at the time that that was not open to um, non-RD nutritionists. So um, there are, you know, different types of nutritionists out there, and I am not a registered dietitian. I followed an alternative uh, pathway. So um, at the time that I got uh, licensed as a, you know, certified nutrition specialist, they, uh, the IFM wasn't accepting CNSs, certified nutrition specialists, into their program, but that has since changed a few years ago because they recognize the um, rigorous nature of the CNS credential. And so CNSs are the only other credentialed nutritionists besides um, registered dietitians with a master's degree that can get this certification. So it's kind of a big deal. Um, and I'm really excited about it. And I'm mostly excited about it because um, I am excited to have an even more in-depth uh, understanding of functional medicine prin uh, principles. You know, my master's degree is in functional medicine, but let's be honest, I graduated with that in uh, 2017, and um, I, you know, it was a it was a good program, but I didn't feel like. I got as much functional nutrition knowledge as I wanted to throughout that process. So I'm excited to continue expanding on that. You know, I, I'm a huge um, person into like my own research and I like to read the studies and things like that. Um, so this is, this is exciting for me. So I start that on March 1st and I'm going to be doing that for that whole week. And this first conference is, um, putting functional medicine into practice. Uh, so, you know, it's talking about like business models and, um, and, you know, methods of, of, uh, organizing functional medicine work so that, um, you know, it's more standardized across the board and everything. So, you know, I'm excited to be part of this big group of, of highly intelligent, thoughtful, uh, professionals. And, um, it's going to take me a long time to finish the, the credential, probably a few years, uh, because there are several different steps to this, but this is the first step and it's exciting to get started. So, um, so that's kind of what's up. That's what's up with me. Uh, what else? What else? What else? You know, I don't want to waste time. Oh. Oh, here's what's up with me. Uh, I think I mentioned this last week, but I also have um, I have joined the I have joined the children on TikTok. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, my I'm 32 years old, um, and I am a um, millennial, shall we say? And so I was one of those people that was like, you know, what's TikTok? Like, it's just kids like lip syncing, right? Uh, no, 
it's a great platform to share educational content in like, you know, little 60 second bites. You can get a lot of information out there. And um, it's actually been really fun for me because I'm historically long winded. That's one reason I have the podcast because on here, I don't have to limit myself and say, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to be more concise. Uh, so the podcast is really fun because it's just like whatever's in my head coming out, right? But um but TikTok has forced me to sort of get to organize my thoughts a little bit more and put them in sequential order. And I think that's a good mental exercise for me. Um, it's preparing me for, you know, the books that I am writing. Little teaser there. Yes, I am writing a book. Um so, you know, it's just it's just helping me be more concise. My journalism professor in uh, college would be proud. Uh, so uh, that was my first major in college. Just a little side story. My first major in college was journalism. And um, I always got really high marks on like long form uh, content, um, you know, especially if it was like fiction or, um, you know, it's supposed to be like I forget what they call it, but you know those human interest pieces, okay? So when you're just like going into depth on um, a certain topic and you don't have to be like super, super concise, I always got great grades on that. But like typical journalistic stuff, like a little, you know, news piece about, you know, I don't know, something random, I did not do great at those because I just have trouble with that. Like I just, ah, I have so much to say, so... Um, so anyway, he would be proud. Uh, but yeah, and if you guys keep seeing me doing this, it's because there's like one ridiculous piece of hair that's just like right in my eye, but I can't find it. Have you ever experienced that? That is so frustrating. Uh, so I'm going to try not to do that too much because I'm sure that's really annoying to watch. For those of you watching on YouTube, hello. Thank you for watching me. Um, all right. So why don't we go ahead and let's get into today's topic. Shall we? Shall we? Okay. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about the four different types of PCOS. So, okay, here's my caveat with this. And I just want to mention that, the, the you know, obviously I have PCOS. I've been learning about PCOS for the last more than a decade. I've been working with women with PCOS for around six years at this point. Um, and so I have a lot of experience working with PCOS and I've seen the gamut of different things. And I've never been more convinced than I am now that PCOS really is just a basket diagnosis. Like, yes, there are a lot of things that tie these different groups together. Um, and there's certain underpinnings that are across the board for PCOS. But it's definitely something that we don't know enough about. And I have a feeling and this is not scientific, but my sense is, my feeling is that eventually, as we gather more data, we're going to realize that PCOS is really multiple separate syndromes that have similar results, um, but are coming from different, different, you know, places. So genetic things, um, trauma, PTSD places, um, you know, um, 
impacts of weight, impacts of insulin. I already see this in practice where there are different types of women with PCOS. And I'm not just talking about the four, you know, like, you know, the clinical, the the phenotypes or the clinical, you know, distinctions that we use to kind of categorize women. But I'm talking about within women who, for example, might seem like insulin resistant PCOS people, um, there is so much difference between those women and between the outcomes that they potentially can get, whether they, you know, are doing the same amount of work or, or not. Uh, so so there's definitely more to it than we know at this point. And I like to be upfront with that because I really despise it when people act like we know everything there is to know about PCOS and like, oh, it's just, just a very simple thing. You just need to eat a low glycemic diet and blah, 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 and you could resolve your symptoms. Well, yeah, okay, that works for some women. It does. It does. But there's a group of us who have much more complex types of PCOS. And um, even if we do everything right, we may still deal with symptoms of this throughout life. So um, so I think it's important to know as much as you can and um, to obviously to do your best to tackle it in any way that you can. But it's important to remember that, yeah, there's, there's no cure for this. Um, it's not this easy process that's like step one, two, three, you know, take omega threes and then you won't have PCOS anymore. And, uh, and that's one reason why historically like social media has always kind of annoyed me and why I haven't been as present on there until recently is because I resent this need to make everything into like a, a cutesy soundbite. Um, and so, you know, my TikTok videos, like they're highly educational. I'm trying to pack as much information as I can into 60 seconds. I get annoyed at this whole thing of like, let's make it funny, right? Like, let's make it funny. Let's, let's make an Instagram reel and say like, uh, you know, take zinc, take omega threes, eat low carb, cut out dairy, solve your PCOS. Um, for those of you watching, those of you listening, you didn't get to see that cool little reel that I made for y'all, but I did the pointing. Um, so I, I, I get annoyed at that. I get really, really annoyed at that. And, um, that's one reason why I don't, I like haven't done that stuff because it's just like, I don't even know how to put my thoughts into something like that. Like, I don't even know how to make PCOS funny. Like it's, there's a dark humor to it, right? Like if you've been suffering with PCOS your, your whole life, like, you know, I mean, there's, there's some stuff that we can all bond about and laugh about. Sure. Like you got to laugh or you're going to cry. Right. But it's also this like flip, it's this flippancy that some people have about PCOS that, you know, it's like, yeah, okay. That gets you good. That gets you good engagement or views or whatever, because people, you know, like, just something to just kind of like put a heart on, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't, uh, make a difference. Like it doesn't change anybody's life. It doesn't help people. And I'm, my main thing is like, I want to really help because when I first had this, there was no help for this. Um, so, so, wow, I got myself on a soapbox. Uh, I may cut that out or I might keep it. Or I might keep it for my Patreons. Speaking of, did you guys know that I have a Patreon now? I have a little community with like super secret special stuff. So, you know, there's a link in the description box below if you want to join my community. Um, But yeah, let's talk about the four types of PCOS because here I've gone on a rant now. And you're probably like, okay, Amber, get to it. Let's find the four types. So what are they? 
the first type is the insulin resistant type. And then we've got the second type, which is the inflammation based type. The third type, which is the adrenal type. And then the fourth type, which is the post birth control type. Uh, so I'm going to go briefly into each one of these, and then in future episodes, we're going to do more in-depth work on each one and talk about my experiences of what this looks like in practice, how we can make changes to it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the first type, the insulin-resistant type, by far the most common. Okay, so uh, we know that around like 10% of women or so have PCOS. It's the most common gynecological condition uh, in the developed world. And so it's very, very common. A lot of women have it. Um, and a lot of women develop it via this insulin resistant issue. Um, the insulin resistance, you know, symptoms of that would be like... Um, getting like weak and shaky between meals, like having these blood sugar drops. That's, that's an indicator of that. Uh, being like really fatigued, getting dark patches. There's something called acanthosis nigricans, which is like this darkening of the back of the neck and the elbows. Uh, and that's oftentimes a symptom of insulin resistance. Um, you know, pre-diabetes, obviously, type 2 diabetes, obviously, uh, metabolic syndrome. So this kind of like carrying excess body fat in the in the um, middle. And you'll find that a lot of women who, who do have the insulin resistant part of PCOS, which I should mention that even if you're part of one of the other types, across the board, insulin resistance is part of the problem of PCOS. So it's like upwards of 80% of women with PCOS, no matter where they fall in the BMI range, are insulin resistant. Um, and, and, you know, with that said too, insulin resistance is not always this very obvious thing. Um, like if you have your blood glucose levels drawn, it's not going to show that you're insulin resistant unless it's already progressed to the point where it's getting close to, you know, prediabetes, diabetes. And at that point, that's, that it takes a while to get there. Um, so, so, you know, that's important to keep in mind. A lot of women with PCOS have this hyperinsulinemia, this excessive insulin that's being produced, but they don't have any real, like, uh, symptoms unless the right tests are being run. You know, like, what's a cool test is to check your fasting insulin, right? Or to check your postprandial insulin and see how, you know, how you deal with insulin before and after meals. But that's hard blood work to get your hands on. Um, so... Very common in PCOS. It's, it's really one of the hallmarks of PCOS is this insulin resistance and it affects women no matter where they are in the BMI scale. So you see thin women with PCOS with insulin resistance. You see overweight women with insulin resistance. Um, and everyone in between. Uh, so, and that, and that's important to say too, because even if, even if you fall within that normal BMI range, let's say, um, you, know your body shape, right? And if you would classify yourself as kind of an apple shape, where like when you gain weight, it mostly goes to your stomach. Uh, it's like, okay, that's that's a sign of insulin issues. So uh, that's important to remember because sometimes women think that because they're not overweight that they can't possibly have insulin resistance and that just couldn't be further from the truth. Um, so insulin resistant PCOS. Um, those are some of the symptoms. And uh, this is is incredibly common. Um, and there are some pretty simple ways of dealing with this. So 
primarily when we're looking at dealing with insulin resistant PCOS, we're looking at really like, well, where's the insulin resistance coming from? So androgens can cause insulin resistance, but primarily with insulin resistant type PCOS, um, we're looking at the insulin resistance causing the androgens. So there's another type of PCOS that I'll get to in a minute where it might be the opposite. Um, but in this case, we've got uh, somehow this woman has either a genetic abnormality that leads to her producing more insulin, or she has developed this insulin resistance over time, possibly because of diet and lifestyle factors. Uh, sometimes I have seen this develop when women gain weight. Um, and that weight gain, it may not be because you actually gained the weight that this has happened, but because of the set of circumstances that caused you to gain weight also caused you to to develop insulin resistance. So whether it was like an illness or something that you had to take a lot of antibiotics for or, you know, a really stressful time period. In functional medicine, we're always looking for the um, the antecedents and the, you know, the, the crisis event. So where's the moment in time that your health started to spiral in the wrong direction? Um, we're always looking for that. And that's why one of the things when you, when you have a first session with me, is basically spending an hour going over your history. Like we're looking, I'm combing through your history to see where did this start? Um, you know, did it start when you were a child? Did it start after puberty? Did this happen as an adult? And I find that with insulin resistant PCOS, the women who develop this later in life tend to be the ones that it's easier to get to the bottom of. There's usually a diet lifestyle factor here. They kind of just don't, maybe don't know what they're doing with diet. Like they think they're doing the right thing, but they're maybe not doing the right thing. And, um, and you know, that paired with, with just the fact that they already have insulin resistance, it keeps making it worse. They've got these excessive androgens. Everything's already in snowball mode and they just don't know how to stop it. So all we really have to do is to like turn the car around and these women tend to like get their periods back. They tend to, um, I've had a lot of them get pregnant, have babies, not have to go through the whole fertility gamut. Um, you know, because it, it, in a lot of cases it's, it's lifestyle based and we don't like to s talk about that. I feel like now it's sort of taboo to say that like, you know, perhaps gaining the weight did cause some metabolic issues that then led to the development of PCOS. It's not super PC to say, but I've seen several women where that's the case. So it's worth looking at yourself and looking deeply at yourself and thinking about, is this possible that, like, you know, if I look back at my history, was it after I had gained some weight that these symptoms started to happen and then they started to snowball? But keep in mind, you know, there are many women who gain weight, right? And they don't develop PCOS. So there's still that underlying factor, that underlying genetic issue where the, um, you know, the predisposition to that turns on. So, uh, Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? 
And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. there's room for some gray areas here. Um, then there's another type of insulin resistant PCOS. And, and this woman is somebody who has dealt with this for a long time. And I tend to actually usually find this person fits more with the inflammation type PCOS, which is the next type. Um, because even resolving the the insulin issues, which are typically you know pretty easy to do with diet, because we know how to manage insulin with diet pretty well. Um, so when we do all those things and it doesn't seem to make too much of a difference, that's when we want to look at okay, there's probably some really deep issues here. And uh, this is when I move to the type, the second type of PCOS, which is the inflammation based type. Now, I think it's worthwhile to take a second here and mention that this is just how I classify them in my practice. I mean, there are other practitioners who use this four model, four types of PCOS model, but the way that they address working on PCOS is different uh, sometimes than me. And the way that they think about PCOS sometimes is a little different from me. So I look at things from a um, root cause perspective. So I'm looking at the deepest possible issues that I can. And so while it tends to be said that the majority of women with PCOS are this insulin resistant type, my feeling on it, and this is just my opinion, my feeling on it is I think that most women with PCOS are actually the inflammatory based type, um, but it can parade as the insulin resistant type in a lot of cases. So, or at least, and this could be just because of the work that I do, and so the sample is skewed, but at least the majority of the women I work with are more the inflammation-based type. So um, what are we looking at when we look at that? Inflammation-based type, we kind of start with looking at gut health issues, and these manifest in a lot of different ways. Like a lot of these women will have histories of some type of like IBS or diarrhea, constipation, gallbladder issues, um, you know, these sort of like issues with digestion, um, skin issues like eczema, psoriasis, um, autoimmune conditions even can sometimes be manifestations of gut health issues. I have a lot of podcasts about food sensitivities and um, gut health issues and autoimmune issues. So, you know, you might think about even if you don't have a diagnosed autoimmune condition like Hashimoto's or something like that, you might think about going backwards and listening to some of those podcasts about autoimmunity because in inflammation type PCOS, there's kind of a similar starting point. In functional medicine in general, functional nutrition in particular, we're always looking at gut health. Um, I, I had a, I did a live video with a friend of mine the other day where we were talking about gut health and how gut health is just sort of this like buzzword now. And, and it's kind of annoying. Like I, I don't like, um, when I got into fertility nutrition, you know, when I got into studying this stuff, 
I always thought that I would be working with like herbals and things to like manipulate the menstrual cycle. Um, and the more that I learned and the more that I practiced, the more I realized that really I, I don't do very much of that at all because it's not necessary. What's really necessary is to work on gut health because that's the crux and that's the base of the immune system and that's the base of overall health. And so an inf inflammation-based PCOS, what we're looking at is what's causing inflammation and what causes inflammation are immune system issues. Where does the immune system reside? 80% of it resides in the gut. So you see how we get from the hormones and the hormone imbalance and we cycle all the way down to the gut. Um, and that's why I ask about gut health issues. I ask about, you know, diarrhea, constipation. Those are the most common manifestations. But sometimes gut health issues don't manifest as gut issues. Sometimes they don't manifest as, uh, you know, diarrhea. Sometimes they manifest as skin problems. Sometimes they manifest as headaches. Sometimes they manifest as brain fog. Um, so that there are a lot of ways that this can play out. And that's, that's one reason why it's so nice to work with a functional practitioner because we know what things tend to mean what, you know, and we can put the pieces together for you so that you don't have to do that work because you're, you know, you have enough to worry about. Like, just farm that part out to a professional, right? Um, so we're looking at inflammation. And when we talk about nutrition, um, nutrition is really good at lowering inflammation because a huge source of inflammation for most people is food. Um, since most of our gut health is, you know, correlated to our immune health, uh, it makes sense that whatever goes into the gut can affect the immune health and can affect, by extension, inflammation. And what's the thing that we do in our guts more than anything else? Digest and process food. So that's why nutrition is such a cool tool for conditions like PCOS that have that sort of inflammation um, basis and that insulin basis, because those are the two things that nutrition really helps with is like insulin and blood sugar balance and inflammation. Um, and so that I often recommend like, yes, I think it's super important to have a good team. It's important to have a good doctor, um, but I think when you have PCOS, and you know, of course, I'm biased to have a good, knowledgeable nutritionist on your team um, when you are dealing with PCOS, because uh, number one, it helps take a lot of the guesswork out of this. Um, and I'm doing my best to give you as much information for free and as much education as I can. Uh, but I'm limited to what I can, you know, talk about um, just out to everybody. I'm limited with how customized I can get, obviously, on a podcast. So uh, there are benefits to working with a professional in a condition like this that has such a deep nutritional basis. Um, so inflammation-based PCOS, you know, gut health issues, kind of the main indicators, like if you ever eat things and it kind of causes stomach issues, um, you know, that's a huge sign there. Um, we're looking at like histories of different, you know, gut infections, um, time, maybe you had to take a lot of antibiotics when you were younger, um, things that, uh, you know, history of like sinus infections, um, allergies, history of allergies, even seasonal allergies. Like if you get kind of bad allergies, asthma, um, you know, there, there are a lot of different iterations of that. But, uh, whenever I see 
whenever I see things like that, whenever I see, and, and the other type of woman that this is like super common with, I find is women with inflammation based PCOS. I find it's pretty rare for them to develop it later in life. So my experience has almost exclusively been, and like I said, again, this is not, you know, this is not scientific because this is just my experience, but my experience has exclusively been that insulin only, insulin only issues tend to happen in um, a certain group of women. And those are the only women that I've seen that have developed this later in life. All the other women that I've worked with that have always had PCOS, like since they went through puberty, they've had PCOS. Every one of them has uh, had inflammation-based PCOS, in my opinion, um, just because they uh, they just have these like, deeper issues that come from multiple sources that come from, you know, the food that they ate, that they were raised on. Um, you know, a lot of times there's like excessive estrogens going on here. Um, there's deep genetic issues here. There's just a conglomeration of factors that's more deep than just insulin. And that's not to say that insulin isn't deep. I mean, obviously, insulin's a hormone, and it's it's super important. And the insulin resistance part of PCOS is really, really important. But I think sometimes we prioritize that and we focus on that at the expense of the other stuff because it's easier. It's easier to say, "Oh, all your issues are are insulin issues because you don't eat well and you have you, you know you eat too much or you eat too many carbs or whatever and so you have insulin resistance and it's kind of your fault and that's why you have PCOS and if you just ate better then you wouldn't have PCOS anymore. Uh, that's the easy way out. That's the practitioner easy way out because if it doesn't work, then it's very easy to blame the patient and say, oh well, you didn't do it right. Um, in reality, PCOS is this complex system of things happening that oftentimes has much deeper roots. And uh, we have to think about our approach as practitioners to say, like, are we really getting to the root here? If all we're doing is managing insulin and all we're doing is trying to, like, monitor the carbs or the glycemic index, uh, are we really treating this patient the way that we could? No, I don't think so. Um, so I'm of the opinion that insulin issues are are not often the root cause. I think they're more a symptom of a greater underlying metabolic issue. And um, I often think that that in issue starts with that inflammatory basis. And, you know, this is my podcast, so I'm just sharing theories that I have here. I know I keep saying stuff like this, but I just want to I want to be careful because I don't want to lead anybody in the wrong direction. Um, this is just my theories that I've developed over working with lots of women with PCOS and, you know, and my own issues as well um, and kind of seeing how even when I account for um, for insulin and for all this other stuff, how it doesn't resolve the problem. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's a huge frustration, I think, for women with PCOS too. And and guys, tell me if this is, is true for you, but uh, the frustration is not feeling heard, not feeling listened to, and sort of feeling blamed. It's almost like, uh, you know, with the 
whole problem with women who who are obese or uh, women, my, women who are minorities, and they go to their doctor's offices and um, they don't feel listened to, they don't feel heard, and we know from the research that those women get poorer outcomes. It's this whole blaming, victim blaming mentality. Um to just say that PCOS is is the majority of PCOS is just insulin issues um, is just oversimplifying it, I think. So, so yes, the inflammation based type is, does have a lot of insulin issues as well. I mean, they have both, but my approach is always to start with inflammation issues first if we've got an insulin based problem, um, and you know, working on insulin does help with inflammation. So we can kill two birds with one stone here. It's not like there's like, um, and you're going to find this when I, when I make the vid- the, uh, videos and, and talks about the different, um, the different diet approaches for this. It's not like there's this, you know, magical formula for like, okay, insulin based PCOS, we follow this specific diet and we do, we eat at this time, this time, this time, and we eat these foods. And then, you know, we cure that. And then over here for inflammation-based PCOS, we eat these foods, these foods, these foods. Um, it doesn't work that way. There's so much overlap with healthy diet and nutrition, and there's so much individuality and, and cu- uh, so much customization that needs to happen that uh, it just it just doesn't work that way. So, it, But the good thing about that is that when we address one thing, we often address the other thing, right? So I like to start with those inflammation issues. So um, if you've watched those videos or, you know, you've been listening to this and it sounds like, hey, like it sounds like I have both of these kinds of things going on. Like I, I, I identify with both things. Um, I would start with that inflammation stuff first. And I'll get into that in another podcast about how I do that and what I look at and what tests I like to run. And, and you know, even we'll go into supplementation at some point, all that stuff. Um, I'd like to mention here too, that I am working on putting together a PCOS um, kind of course, masterclass, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's in, it's in process, but it's a way for me to disseminate this information in a very structured way with a format and meal plans and, you know, supplement recommendations and all that stuff in a way that's a little bit more customized and um, a little bit more helpful than just listening to me kind of rant and talk. Um, so, you know, if you want to stay up to date on when that's coming out and you want, you know, more information about that when it's ready, it'll be ready hopefully sometime soon and, and it'll go up for sale on, um, on my website and everything. But if you want to be a part of that, um, and help, you know, help yourself without having to work one-on-one with me, um, you know, let me know. There's a, a link below or there's an email address below where you can email me and, and I can keep you on a list to stay in the loop. Um, you know, very informal here, but I just want, um, I want you guys to have the information that you need in as convenient and helpful way as possible. And, um, it's always been my goal to be able to help women of all, you know, age groups, of all um, financial, you know, aspects, 
it's expensive to see a functional practitioner. I get that. Um, and so, you know, I know it's, it's out of reach for some women, but maybe they can, you know, manage to afford, you know, something a little bit less expensive, but that has just a little more kind of direction, I guess, than, than something like this. This is more informational. So I'm working on that. Um, so let me know if you want to stay in the loop, but, um, I think that's enough on the first two types. So let's get to the third type. And, and, uh, I'll mention here too that 20 to 30% of women with one of the other types of PCOS have symptoms from here as well. Um, and so the third type is, is the adrenal type. And this is a very specific type. Uh, so the problem is that a lot of women have st- stress issues, adrenal issues. And, um, you know, you can have those adrenal issues and they can be part of the problem, but not the whole problem, not the root problem. And I find that generally for most women, they're not the root problem. And so if you're like on the fence or confused, my, you know, advice would be to kind of look at the other two types more likely than this one as your root cause. I think this one's tempting to think it's your root cause because it seems easier to treat. (laughs) It seems easier to deal with. So the adrenal type of PCOS, what are we talking about here? Well, the adrenals are these glands that sit on top of your kidneys and they make stress hormones. And one of the hormones is called cortisol, you've probably heard of. And these stress hormones, um, you know, I mean, they're survival mechanisms, um, but they also can be damaging in too large of quantities. Uh, the body produces them as a protective measure. And so one cool, not cool, but one interesting thing about adrenal type PCOS is that there's some thought that women with PTSD or women with like complex trauma histories and things like that actually produce these higher stress hormones as a way to mitigate the effects of long-term chronic stress damage on the body. So the body's trying its best. And we have to remember that too with all of this stuff. Your body is trying its best. Your body is resilient. Your body is trying to make it work. Um, your body is not the enemy here. We just need to to push it in the right direction because, you know, your body is basing its signals and things off of an evolutionary history that that no longer really plays much of a role in the way that our lives are actually lived now. Um, so the adrenal PCOS is, is a type of PCOS that develops because of these excessive stress hormones and these excessive stress hormones then cause an excessive production of, um, androgens. So one way that androgens can be produced is through the, you know, the ovaries, right? Um, and that's the typical mechanism with PCOS where we've got these androgenic features like, you know, facial hair and, and, uh, and all that stuff. Um, but another way they can be produced is when we have too many stress hormones, they kind of get converted in. So, um, there's some thought that like, okay, this adrenal type of PCOS, right? What's happening is it's producing these extra androgens and there's really no stopper for that. There's no feedback loop on that. And so they just kind of continue circulating, circulating, circulating. And over time, that buildup of those androgens then starts to affect the balance of the other hormones, starts to affect the ovaries, and it gets out of control. Um, so interestingly enough, like a lot of the women I find with this tend to be on the thinner side or, you know, in the normal BMI range. Um, and these excessive 
Androgens can also cause insulin resistance, so sometimes we will see insulin-resistant type features in this type of PCOS, but um, it tends to be not, you know, not, it's like a chicken or an egg situation, right? Like, it's hard to tell which came first, but a lot of times in the thinner women or the women of of kind of normal BMI, when this is going on, it's, um, it's just, it's a little bit more obvious, I guess. Because it often relates to like a history of like, um, you know, um, PTSD, um, like a super stressful lifestyle. Um, I sometimes have seen it in women who like run a lot. Um, they're in the gym a lot. Um, it's important to mention too that there is a type, sometimes this is misdiagnosed and, um, women are diagnosed with PCOS, adrenal PCOS, when really they have something called hypothalamic amenorrhea. And hypothalamic amenorrhea is a condition that occurs, you know, primarily due to like chronic undereating or chronic exercising, stuff like that. Um, and that's a separate condition. That's when your period kind of stops altogether. And, uh, so, you know, that needs to be ruled out as well with this. But, uh, some symptoms of, you know, adrenal issues would be like getting a second wind at night, not being able to sleep well, light sleepers, um, waking up with your heart pounding. And keep in mind too that, that, the hormonal imbalances in PCOS, especially having excessive estrogen, if you've got estrogen dominance too, which a lot of women with PCOS do, also contributes to poor sleep. So uh, so sometimes we mistake cortisol issues here. Um, and there's ways to test for this. Uh, doing a cortisol rhythm saliva test. Uh, you know, if you are interested in doing that, I, there's a kit on my website that you can buy. Um, there's also, you know, Dutch testing, which is like dried urine testing. There's, um, you can have blood tests done to see if your DHEA is high. Uh, but these, having these sort of sleep issues, these adrenal issues, these stress issues, these are present oftentimes with the other two types. Um, but in adrenal PCOS, they're, they're the precursor. Um, and so sometimes you'll see women with this type and they like don't have cysts on the ovaries. And, you know, it's important to keep in mind that like cysts on the, you don't have to have cysts on the ovaries to be diagnosed with PCOS, which is kind of funny. Um, you know, and there's talk about changing the name of PCOS because the cysts aren't necessary for you to have this sort of syndrome. But, um, but in most of the women I see, like they've got cysts on the ovaries, right? And if they don't, or they sometimes go in and they don't, you know, that's like sometimes it's more this adrenal type. That's just a little indicator that I sometimes see. Um, but, you know, I think it's important to keep in mind, I never start my focus here um, unless it's just so blaringly obvious because so often we are coming from a place where stress issues are part of the picture, but not the root of the picture. Um, I like to hearken back to something that I call the priority pyramid, which is this concept that I came up with to kind of help explain my approach and why I always like to start deeper at like inflammation and gut health stuff. Um, I did a podcast on this too. So you can go backwards and listen to that. It's called the priority pyramid, but it's this idea that, you know, our body has a hierarchy of things that it cares about and the stress hormones, I mean, it's not stress hormones, the sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone, 
you know, the androgens, that's, it's not that important to the body. Um, cause fertility is like the last thing, right? Like if we're not healthy underneath the body's like, we don't need to be fertile right now. Right. So when we see issues there, we always have to look deeper and there are a couple rungs on the ladder deeper than that. And so there's the adrenal, adrenal HPA axis, um, you know, and that this is where we get into some of those like cortisol issues and stuff like that. But then even deeper than that, is the inflammation and the gut health and the immune system. And so a lot of times we'll see that the gut health immune system is causing issues with the adrenals, which can then start causing issues with the hormones. Um, but it can skip over, you know, um, or not. A lot of times I see overlap with those those things. So it, it it's possible for this adrenal area to be like the start of things, but it's just, it's more rare. It's much more rare. Um, and I don't, I, my personal opinion on it is that I'm not sure that that's, uh, really a worthwhile place to start for most women. Um, so if you do think that you have like the adrenal type of PCOS, I would really consider working with a, a practitioner because you can get yourself into some trouble with diet here because, you know, if we do have adrenal issues, we really want to look at like stress on the body um, and stress diet can be a stress. So, you know, cutting back on calories, cutting back on carbs, things like that, that might actually be helpful for some of the other types of PCOS um, could be damaging for the adrenals. Uh, a good nutritionist can try to help you figure out how to balance those things in a way that's going to be beneficial for all of it. Um, or to prioritize things, you know, depending on how you respond, how your metabolism responds. So that's why that's important, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't see that being like the main the main situation going on for, for most women, but it is, it is definitely a type and, you know, it's been, been studied and all that. The fourth type, and I won't go into a lot of detail here because this is not a type that I work with very often, um, because it's not really a type. Um, it is a type, but it's not, is the, um, post birth control type. So there are some women who develop PCOS as a result of um, transitioning off of birth control. Um, certain birth controls like uh, Yaz, Yasmin, and there are some other ones can trigger the production of androgens, which can then start this sort of PCOS syndrome where we can see, you know, polycystic ovaries and, and all that stuff. Um, the key with the post birth control type is that it is temporary. So if you never had PCOS symptoms, um, but you were on birth control for a while, went off of birth control, and now you've got androgenic symptoms and, and, and PCOS symptoms, uh, you know, typically the advice would be to just give it time because your body, you know, hormones operate on a feedback loop. So when something um, is high, you know, other things go low to regulate it and, and they're all trying to regulate each other. And, um, you know, the average woman who develop, who, who develops this post birth control, her body is going to figure it out within, you know, maybe six months or so. So it just takes some time. It can be very frustrating in the meantime, but, um, but it, it just takes a little bit of time. Uh, I would keep in mind that if you had PCOS before you went on birth control, and you go off of birth control, and you find that PCOS stuff is back, um, this would not be a situation where I would just sit 
around and, and wait for it to possibly resolve. A lot of women have this misconception, um, partly due to misinformation out there, that birth control will fix their PCOS. It doesn't fix PCOS. It just sort of covers up the underlying issue. So you go off of your birth control and, and it's going to come back. Like all that stuff's going to still be there um, waiting to be dealt with. So um, this particular type t- is more focused on women who maybe had normal menses before um, and then went on birth control, went off of it, and now they've developed this PCOS type thing and it tends to resolve itself. So, um, so yeah, that's the fourth type. So the conclusion of this podcast is to say that you know, the focus of the next several podcasts is going to be on approaches for this and what I do in practice, what what um, seems to work best for me and um, for my clients. And we're going to spend a lot more time on the insulin resistance and the inflammation than we are on um, on other things. We are going to do some work on the adrenals too, but uh, that's where we, we really want to put our focus. So I hope that was interesting for you guys. I hope that it made helped make some things make sense. Um, hope it didn't confuse you even more than you already were confused. Um, but if you have questions about this stuff, I love getting your questions. I love hearing your stories and your comments. Please feel free to send me an email at the email below and just kind of reach out and and um, ask me your questions. And I incorporate a lot of the questions that I get into my podcast. So, um, you know, I'm happy to do that. And um, and yeah, we may even start at some point in the nearish future. I, I've got a backlog of enough questions now that I might start a little question answer part of some of these podcasts or do question answer podcasts, um, maybe once a month or something like that. So, um, so that's an, potentially in the works. I'm still kind of thinking that over, but if you do join my Patreon community, I also have a, um, I do monthly, uh, Q and A's there and everything. So, you know, that's another way to, to do Q and A's. And I'm also going to start, um, going live on TikTok, um, maybe one evening a week to kind of like, field questions and answer what I can and stuff like that. So there are places to find me, ways to find me, but um, I love to hear your questions and I love to answer them. So please reach out. um, Let me know. You can find all the information for all that stuff and all the places you can follow me online below. And uh, thank you guys for for listening today. Thank you for coming back and listening to these podcasts um, over time. I, I really appreciate all of you. So talk to you soon. Bye. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.